and welcome to the Rethinking Leadership podcast series. I'm Jude Jennison, host of this podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company. I believe that leadership is about who we are being as much as what we're doing and that when we combine our brilliant minds with the emotional engagement of the heart, we can solve all of the world's problems. In this podcast, I interview leaders on their experiences of disruptive change and ask them how leaders can position themselves for the future of business. Find out what this week's leader has to say. Denise Bob is a highly established portfolio manager leading complex change programmes for organisations across both the private and public sectors. I spoke to Denise about how we increase black engagement so that black businesses have a stronger voice, as well as BAME employees not being overlooked in organisations. Have a listen. Hi, Denise. Thanks for joining me today. Can you introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do? Hi, um, my name is Denise Bob. I am a portfolio manager, um, which means I manage um, portfolios of projects and programs for the the various organizations. I've worked across the public sector. Um, I've worked across the private sector in terms of banking and um, biomedical um, company. And I am very, very, very passionate about supporting organizations in affecting the change required to help them um, become and remain sustainable. Um, I'm from the Caribbean. I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. I've spent my formative years in the Caribbean, went to school there. Uh, I did a, a law degree at the University of London and I did two masters, one in international relations and public sector management and another one in IT, e-commerce. Um, uh, studied both at the University of, at the, of the West Indies and at uh, Middlesex University for my master's. And um, had always intended to go home uh, to, you know, um, develop my career in the Caribbean, but ended up meeting my husband here, who is Scottish. And um, we decided that the best place for us, career-wise, especially for him, would be here. And this is the reason that I'm in the UK. Um, wow. That's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, and you you summarise that as a as a nutshell. But I, wow, two masters. I'm I'm really seriously <laughs> impressed. I don't know how you how you do one, let alone two. So, um, so and the other thing I'm interested in is. As, as a portfolio manager, it sounds like you've worked with a whole variety of different organisations, both public and private sector. Yeah. What are some of the common things that you have come across? Um, I think that all organisations recognize that they need to change, they need to evolve, they need to embrace new things in order to sustain, in order to continue to be productive. Um, And organizations manage it in many different ways, but more and more we're coming across organizations that recognize that they need to contain a lot of their change in projects. 
so that there is a beginning, a middle and an end, a target, some clear deliverables um, that they need to produce or deliver, and then kind of um, subsume or transition into business as usual. Uh, I think a lot of organizations have come to the recognition that just saying that we're going to do change and it's going to be this kind of never ending process without structures or around it um, isn't going to work. Um, they, these are the, the, the projects and I use it in loosely here that never end. Mm. And so as, uh, uh, as uh, organizations um, strive to survive, especially in this environment now, uh, they've recognized the value of containing a lot of their trans transformation, their transitions and their change in projects. And as such, people with my skills, um, you know, are, are going to, to support them and to help them with that. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and I'm, you know, what, I'm, what, that, what comes up for me, so many things come up for me around that. But, but I think change does create an emotional response and an emotional yes. impact. And so actually having some containment, I imagine, supports that and, and helps that in some way. Absolutely. I think one of the key things around projects and around change is having a, almost a training and a communication work stream within that project. Mm. Um, supports the organization and import, it supports rank and file across the organization and understanding what's happening, understanding why it's happening, understanding what it means for them personally, what it means for their team, and understanding more importantly what they can, what they can do to contribute to that change um, and to contribute to the bigger picture. Because a lot of the time there are projects happening, things are happening and people don't really understand what it means and why it's happening and what they can contribute and how they can contribute to it. And I think you get better ownership, better buy-in and a much happier, um, you know, employee base if they, if they understood and if they were able to contribute to what's happening. And it's not something that's happening to them. It's happening. It's, it's, it's something that they are part of. Yeah, I think it's interesting because we're in the we're in the context of a very uncertain world. And so what I'm hearing from that is there's a need for an element of structure where there can be structure and an element of containment where there can be containment. Because if you look at the evolution of um, what's happening in the in the world with Black Lives Matter, with the COVID-19 pandemic, which mm -hmm. we're still dealing with. Um, how, how did, can we apply anything there? Or is that completely different? I think all the responses need to be almost chunked up and dealt with um, as, I don't want to use the word projects, but for want of a better term, projects. Um, I think if we, if, it can become overwhelming if you have this huge problem before you that you're trying to deal with. If it is you look at it and you compartmentalize and almost theme some of the issues around that problem, you know, you define what the problem is and then you try to fix all the, the, the elements of that problem. Um, you have a better chance of success rather than trying to just fix 
this this overwhelmingly huge Herculean thing that's before you. I think that that is where, where we feel. And I would say that that is the approach that you should take for most things. You know, if it's an individual personal problem, you don't, you don't try to fix everything at the same time. You try to understand kind of the root cause and you try to fix those things rather than just trying to, you know, do, using the kind of machine gun approach to fixing things never works. Yeah. So, so let's talk specifically then about Black Lives Matter. What's your, what's your view on, on that? What, what approaches should we be taking, do you think? I think that it is important for organizations to do some introspection and look at what is coming out of the Black Lives Matter movement and see if any of the issues that have been raised um, exist in their organization and, um, and, and try to address this. I think that anything around Black Lives Matter, Black advancement within the corporate environment, for instance, needs to be on the agenda. It's not just a kind of a nice to have, let's look at it. It needs to be on the agenda with clear um, objectives and clear targets um, so that we can fix any issues and address any issues that have been identified. Much like we've put um, gender on the agenda, where we have targets to make sure that we have more women in senior management, more women in certain types of role and so on. I think we need to do the same thing for Black Lives Matter or for Black advancement. Yeah, and what's your, what's your thinking around the organizations that might be defensive around that? Because one, one of the things that I, I've personally been doing is talking to professional bodies. I, I don't work for a company, I run my own business. Mm-hmm. So I've been, um, in the absence of working for, for, for a, an employer, I've been talking to organisations that I have a foot in the door of in some way, whether that's professional bodies or companies I work with. And I've been asking them what they're doing. And, and I, you know, I've noticed how much defensiveness there is around it, that there's such a, a desire to be a good citizen and not, not to be racist, that, that there's so much denial around it. And, what, you know, what's your view with, with organisations or, or, or even leaders within those organisations? Because I, I, what I want to get to is, what do we as leaders and teams need to be doing differently going forward? Because there is a problem and some people are recognising it and some are not. So, you know, how do we move forward? I know that's a massive question. I think there has to be a willingness to have that conversation and to have an open, honest conversation about what's happening, about your organization, about your bias, conscious or unconscious bias, um, and and what we need to do about it. Um, I think there needs to be a willingness to to ask questions that you might be uncomfortable with. Mm. You know, about, for instance, terminology. What is the right term um, to use for, I don't know, Black people or for the movement? Or what is the right term? What are you comfortable with? not be afraid to to do so i think there needs to be almost a creation of a safe space within these organizations where we can have a professional facilitator 
having uh, facilitating this conversation across the organization so that everybody comes to a common understanding of what it is that um, that black people want, uh, what it is that they feel, and what the organization can do collectively and collaboratively to to support um, achieving some of those goals. Yeah, and and recognizing that within that that not all black people want the same thing in the yes. same that not all white people want the same thing or all yeah. women want the same thing. So it's 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 finding that that way where we enter into a, a com an open conversation and i think that was a, an important point you made there around the willingness to have conversation and be curious yeah and not jump to assumptions and conclusions i mean years ago i had a colleague um when i was working in london who did a lot of um public speaking and went to a lot of kind of high profile meetings and so on and um and he would ask me before he, he went, you know, ask me to look at his speeches and so on. And he would ask me if it was if the terminology was right and if it was the, you know, if I felt comfortable with what he was saying. And you know what? That was okay. I felt very happy that he did that. Mm. Um, and and that that he was comfortable enough to say, Denise, is this right? Am I getting it right here? Um, yeah. And there's more of that we need. Right. And then sometimes I'd be like, no, seriously, no, you can't say that. Yeah. Nobody uses that term. Are you 90? But, um, but, you know, but a lot of times I'd be like, yep, yeah, this is fine. You can use it. You can say this. You can say that. No, you can't say that. And, 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 and then we would have a discussion about why he can't say that. And it's that kind of openness that would really help. I mean, I'm a true believer in yes having the conversations but also in organizations being prescriptive a little bit more prescriptive about behaviors that are expected right um i think that an organization needs to be very very clear about what it is they how they expect people to behave towards each other and i think a lot of them do um do do that and do it successfully but I think we need to go a little bit further in terms of making sure that, especially when it comes to unconscious bias, what is what the expectations are, what people can say, what people can't say, what kind of jokes you can make, what kind of jokes you can't make, and so on. Because I think that behaviors then influence, if you do it enough times, mm. the way you think. Right? And I think that's what we need to start with. I think a lot of times we focus on firstly trying to capture and change people's hearts and their core beliefs. And that is a really tall order. Yeah. Right? But what I can do is change how you behave. I can change how you how what you see. I can be a little bit more prescriptive and descriptive about what it might, what, once you step through those doors and you're in this office or you're at this club, this is how I expect, uh, expect you to behave, despite what you might actually think or feel. Oh, interesting. I love that because that um, in some ways makes it a bit easier for people to make the transition, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Because, because and it's like, you know, it's like when you go to school and so on, you are expected to behave in a certain way. 
despite what you do at home, right? And then after a while, you start seeing all the children behaving in a certain way, and they start to believe this is the right way to behave, mm. right? And then when they when somebody transgresses or goes against that, you know, everybody's this, like, no, this is this is not our culture. This is not what we do here. This is not how we behave, right? And but that is a journey that you go on. It is not something you. I I I don't think that you can start with hearts and minds. You have to start with behavior. Right. Okay. So with that with that in mind, then what 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 should organisations be doing right now? I think they need to be having the conversation. I think they need to be having the conversation with their staff, with their, um, with their BME staff, with their black staff, with their, with all colleagues about what this, what Black Lives Matter means. Um, and I also think that they need to put it on the agenda. I think that organizations need to step up and say, actually, we need, more black interns we need more black middle managers we need more black senior managers what are we going to do to do that to get those people in situ in rule to get them applying to get them through the process the application and the recruitment process what are we doing to support that um how you know let's let's target it let's create a strategy around this i think we need to do that um, and I think that's the only way that that we would get we would get uh, more black people into some of the organizations, um, uh, more into STEM, more in working in within the finance services and so on. If there is a specific strategy and agenda around it with clear targets. So, do you think there are that? Do you think role models are important then for? for the black community. Is absolutely. That... Absolutely. Um, I think there that we have to have role models. Um, so I guess it's, you know, it, one of the, the debates uh, I was having with a friend of mine was whether or not the role models themselves needed to be black. Um, but I think that we we do need role models. We need mentors. Um, we need somebody who's in our corner who would be able to go to bat for you and say, "This is you know what you know what Denise this this organization is, is is recruiting for or is developing people in this way or is asking for um, you know small business ideas or whatever." This is shall we shall we look at how we do this? Uh, how can I support you in doing that? We need a little bit more of that. Um, I think we need role models in that if we have um, you know, successful black people uh, need to be a little bit more visible um, sometimes and need to be out there a little bit more because sometimes you have ten seconds to inspire a young person who is uh, waiting on a bus or waiting on a train um, to, to, to get them to a point where they believe that they, oh my God, I can do that too. That person, look at, you know, I, I, I see that woman, I see that man 
going to work or, or you know, this person is a CEO in this company and I can do that too. I think we need to be a little bit more visible and we need to find avenues to do that more actively um, rather than just hoping that we encounter people by chance. Uh, we need to be able to do that more actively. And I, I, yeah, I, I get that on one level. And then on another level, I also think that it, it with, so if I think about this in terms of, and I know the two are different, but if I think about this as, a, you know, I was, a, I was a woman that entered the technology industry in the early 90s and, you know, it was very male dominated and there were no female role models for me. Yeah. And, um, and then women, women that were in the business tended to be quite masculine and quite, you know, hard as nails, really, if I'm honest. Yeah. And, and I just looked at them and thought, I don't want to be like you. Um, but I, but I'm, but if I think about how I developed my career, it was by men giving me a hand up. It was by men supporting me rather than women. And I'm wondering, you know, what, what can white people do to encourage and advance, um, people of BAME and black? Um, I think if we're, I, I this is a very big question. I, I realize I'm sorry. And it, and and actually the it, it's a big discussion. Um, if I were to compartmentalize it and to say and to focus on um, work and to focus on jobs and employment and particular sectors like the um, like STEM and um, financial services, um, I would say that I would want people who are already in those services and in those sectors to mentor, to actively seek to help um, young, maybe not so young, Black people in getting a tool in to um, to get into jobs within those sectors. Uh, I think that it would be really, really useful for, for instance, you know, if it is that you're interested in in becoming an intern with one of the big investment banks, for instance that there's somebody who is able to support you through what the recruitment process is. And the recruitment can, process can be really, really tough. Um, what the recruitment process is, what, how to fill in those forms and, um, and when and, and the quality and what the interview might look like and that sort of thing. Um, and somebody to just basically take, take you under their wing and support you through getting the job and, and, and being there and, and not just surviving the experience, but thriving and introducing you to people and so on. I think that we, if we had a whole lot more of that, that would be really, really useful. It's just getting a mentor. I mean, I've had a mentor. I've had mentors my whole life. And, um, and, and they've been absolutely instrumental in, in supporting me in my career journey. They've been men and women they've been black and white um but they have been absolutely crucial in supporting me and i would think that 
if we're looking at certain sectors where, sectors where we feel that there is underrepresentation of Black people, then in those sectors, I would hope that people who are working within the sectors currently uh, actively do what they can to support getting people of, um, of uh, uh, Black people or BME people within the sectors by offering their support, their services, their expertise, and their coaching, basically. But again, that takes organization. I know there are lots of people who come to me and said, Denise, what can I do? How can I? And, and it's almost as if, you know, you have to have some kind of infrastructure in place where you can pair a mentor with a mentee, right? Um, on the back of, of Black Lives Matter, I've had lots of comms and lots of emails and lots of, you know, direct messages and LinkedIn and so on, where people are saying, what can I do? What can I do? What, how can I help? And people are really willing to help. Um, but we have to have the, the helpies, so to speak, also mm. to, to get, you know, to pair them with. Um, and so, and that is another almost its own project, making sure that, that we can do that. Uh, so I think, yes, it needs to be on the agenda. We need a strategy around it. We need not to have a real, having an ad hoc approach isn't going to serve anybody. Um, and so from a corporate perspective, that's what I would want to see. But from a community um, perspective, I also think that we also need to be prepared to take advantage of any opportunities that come our way. So if we have a bank or we have a pharmaceutical company or whoever saying, okay, we're here, we're willing, we're able, we want to help, this is what we want to do. We also have to be ready to take advantage of those opportunities. So there has to be a two-pronged approach to make this thing work. Yeah. And 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 where does where does that start? Does that start in schools that that it prepares young people or or is there something else that we should be doing? I think it has to start in school. Yes. And I think if it is, we were to chunk it up in kind of short, medium and long term goals. I think long term goal definitely has to start in school, mm. start to prepare people, um, children to, you know, do more sciences and do, you know, go to A-levels and, and that, that sort of thing um, from, from the Black community. Um, but I also think in the shorter term, you know, we have um, graduates, we have young people coming out of university right now um, who are young Black people who are looking for rules, who are looking for the kind of their first jobs. We have that right now. What are we doing to help those people? And that is where we, you know, that, that is a, a new project, perhaps, where we see, right, okay, what, what do you want to do and who can I pair you with um, to help you with, uh, understand how to get into, the, into FS, how to get into a pharmaceutical company, how to, and you see, there is also an assumption that if I want to work in a bank, I have to have a degree in finance or banking, and, and that's not the case. Um, it might be that you've graduated with a degree in sociology or something. It's the case that you have to have a degree in banking or in, in finance or in economics or something like that. And it's these kinds of messages. You know, I have a degree in law. I didn't do finance. Um, so it's these kinds of messages that we need to get out 
there. And I think, so you can, it, it depends on where you want to start and how quickly you want to start to see some of these, these um, uh, benefits. Um, I can, you can start with young people coming through school, you know, the year sevens and so on, so that they start making choices in terms of subjects that would help them make those particular career choices and so on, where you start teaching people about making, uh, starting their own businesses and that sort of thing. Or, and, and you can start with older people, kids who are coming out of university, or you can start with people in the in middle of their careers who are looking to transition, who have just been made redundant because of COVID and so on. They're looking for their next new thing. How, how do we support these people? Or, or even the people in their 40s that have repeatedly been passed up for promotion because yeah. either their face didn't fit or they're culturally they said things or did things in a different way and therefore didn't, didn't fit the norm. Um, and, and I think in many ways this is why it's such a systemic issue, isn't it? Is that yeah. if, we, if we only start with children, then we're, we're waiting another 30 years before we start to exactly. see any change. I think we have to... I think I think there's a role for each one of us. If every single person on the planet, and certainly in the in the UK where we are, if every single person did something to reach out to one person, then wouldn't that completely fundamentally shape yep. the world in a different way? And then and then it becomes less of you know it becomes less of a big issue if we can tackle it systemically. Yeah, I think I think that and I think that is really it is really useful i think that is something we have to do i think it's a good thing to do i think it 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 helps the the mentor and it helps the mentee um and i think it's really great if people can take the initiative to reach out like some people have done with me as individuals to say i want to help mm. I think the only issue with that sometimes is that that can feed and that can, you know, people get busy, they get um, uh, conflicting priorities and so on. And as such, if we were to contain this within uh, an overarching strategy and overarching part of a, of a bigger agenda, then it's not likely to get lost after a couple of months. And that's why every organization needs to, to have it on their agenda, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. You know, because you, it, it's something that I might feel passionate about. It's something that you might feel passionate about, but you know, something might happen, crop up over the next couple of months that kind of take your attention away from this. And then we're left with a men, a mentee without a mentor. We, or we're not having the meetings as often, of, often, you know, we're, we're not ha having the introductions that we expected. It needs to be something that is very systemic and structured. Yeah. And I, think so I, think, I think the, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. I think the, the ad hoc um, approach of kind of I'm doing this because I feel it's, I feel passionate about it, um, it needs to be supported with our, uh, a structure to, 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 to deliver, you know, and I, I guess it, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm a consummate project manager. So I was look at things <laughs> in that way. And I look at it, you know, a goal without a plan 
isn't you're not going to achieve anything right and so we all have a lot of goals and we have a lot you know where a lot of the 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 things that that we're talking about is very goal focused but not necessarily clear on what the in the the original problem is and what the plan is to achieve that goal yeah. and that's what we need that is what we need absolutely and i think in terms of some of the initiatives that's coming out of black lives matter and the initiatives that's coming out in terms of supporting black advancement and so on you know this is this is where when i do volunteer my time to help with 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 these initiatives this is what i'm trying to do get them to get a plan right so i am supplementing their passion with my structure so to speak mm-hmm. so that we can move together to help them achieve what it is they want to achieve because a lot of the times we start off with the the goal the outcome we start off with the solution and don't work backwards enough to figure out what it is we need to do to, to achieve those things and i think that when we have an uh an ad hoc approach and we have all different people you know several people calling and saying i I want to mentor i want to help i want to be able to introduce people and we're all doing it in different ways and we're all doing it in you know in there's no uniformity of approach i think that this is this is almost a recipe for disaster we need to so moving forward then what what are the skills that you think that we all need to be developing in in our leadership that enable us to embrace diversity to be conscious of racism to i use the word eradicate but i you know i that's such a big that's such a big word isn't it um yeah yeah i don't and i don't ever think it's achievable no i think it's like setting up setting yourself up to feel when you talk about eradicating people. yeah that, that, that's how i feel when i say it and it, yeah. my, heart, my heart sinks at the thought of that <laughs> but we but we also have to be realistic so but but so with that in mind what what are the skills that we should be developing that enable us to be more inclusive and encourage black advancement in the workplace i think fundamentally we we just need to want to be fair um and and you treat everybody equally you know there has to be a culture of fairness where we we judge we promote we support just based on your skill your willingness to work hard that sort of thing you know it has nothing to do with your with your age with your race with your background where you come from it's all to do with what you're presenting in the workplace and and recognizing that what people are presenting is also a combination of their background and their race and their gender and their age and and yes. their experience and having some understanding. So, and I think that is where we have the the bit about kind of having a healthy respect for for the people who are standing before you. 
you know, people have different backgrounds, they have different perspectives, different life experiences, um, different mental health statuses, all sorts of different things, right? Um, and it's, it's kind of your ability as a, as a manager, as a colleague, as a peer to, to, to appreciate that that is what it is, mm-hmm. to take it into account, yes, where, and, and move on. Yeah. yeah. Final, final question. Use it necessarily to, 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 um, make a, dis- to use it to base decisions on in that sense. Mm. Okay. So final, final question for you then, Denise, I know, I know you have a son. What's your, and, and we're living in a, in a time of massive uncertainty, politically, economically, socially, every which way. What's your hope for the next generation? Um, There's another big question. <laughs> um, gosh, uh, I, I think about this massively. Um, you know, essentially, I want, I want my, my son and my stepsons to be safe. Mm. Um, I want them to be happy and i want them to live in a tolerant society um and i i i I tell them about tolerance all the time about them being tolerant and 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 i guess part of it is you treat people the way you want to be treated Mm. um so there's a lot of times, you know, when, you know, the, Andrew, the youngest one comes home and he talks about, you know, this happened and that happened at school. And we talk about him being a little bit more tolerant and a little bit more patient. Um, because as you grow up, you know, there will be all sorts of things happening in the world where you would want people to be more tolerant, where you don't want people to base, um, base, uh, their judgment and the, what they think of you because you have curly hair or because you're you're black or because mummy is black or be, you know that sort of thing. Mm. I want him to inherit a, a society that is a whole lot more tolerant and open to different difference. You know, different types of people, um, different people of different ages, people of different genders. I just want that that acceptance. You know, I, I, a lot of the times, you know, it's like I, Andrew has this has nothing to do with you. That's that's their life. Or I tell I tell people that all the time, nothing to do with you. This is their life. When you get into the office, when you get to school, you do what you are supposed to be doing to the best of your ability. Mm. What I hope for, a tolerant world. And I, and I think part of that is starting to have these kinds of conversations that we start to explore. How are we different? What, you know, what does that mean? How do, how do we use our difference to be more creative and more innovative and to enrich our society? Um, Denise, it's been amazing to talk to you today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for this.
Denise makes it clear that a spray and pray approach to racism and black engagement is not going to cut it. She's advocating a structured systemic approach to educate everyone and that it must be on the agenda of every organisation and that we need to plan it in a structured way, just as we would a project. The need for greater openness and a willingness to get it wrong is also crucial if we are going to have some of the difficult conversations that need to be had in every workplace and community. There's lots to be done. What are you doing in your organisation to promote BAME leaders? And what are you doing in your community? That's it for this podcast. I was your host, Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature, helping leaders and teams lead with courage and compassion to accelerate growth in a way that makes a difference in the world. You can find out more at www.judejennison.com and you can find me on all the usual social media channels. Until next week, keep leading and I'll be back soon with another interview on Rethinking Leadership. 